welcome to another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and that is my glorious comrade Nick. And if you couldn't tell from yeah. our intro, and if you couldn't tell from our intro, we are talking about Soviet Russia today. More, uh, more exactly, we're talking about World War II Soviet Russia and the Battle of Stalingrad. And uh, the best Russia. It is uh, the glorious Soviet Socialist Republic of. And we're talking about the house that Pavlov built. If you guys haven't heard the story, it's pretty insane. It's and, fucking insane. And, and it, it doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense. Um, so today's story brings us back to World War II, to the, to the horrible e- Eastern Front. And if that wasn't depressing enough, we're going to focus on the Battle of Stalingrad, a battle that would include nearly 2.2 million personnel at its peak, killer wound around 2 million people, and is considered one of the largest and most bloodiest battles in the history of warfare entirely. So it's not a... Uh, it's not going to be as happy and cheerful as last week's. No. Um, but if we get names wrong, we're going to we'll try. We'll do our best. We're going to try. Yeah, you know, we're you know, Russian names, backward R's, weird shit going on. And we did read Pavlov's biography, or his memoir rather, that is <clears throat> all entirely in Russian. So we read it yeah. via Google Translate, and it is not the way to read anything ever, because it sounded like Pavlov had a pretty mean brain... Uh, injury at Stalingrad or Google Translate he works more like than shit. Likely did. Yeah, he probably had, <laughs> he probably had like a baker's dozens of fucking brain injuries, um, even before then. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna talk about a small part of that battle, which is Pavlov's house, which we were talking about, which isn't a house; it's actually an apartment building. But, four stories. Uh, yeah, four story apartment building, normal, shitty, gray, depressing Soviet blockhouse. Um, a part where a Soviet sergeant named Yakov Pavlov and a single platoon of the motherland's glorious soldiers held a single apartment building and inflicted so many casualties on the attacking German forces that according to Vasily Chuikov, the commander of the 62nd Army, the army that held on to Stalingrad by its guts, that the Germans actually lost more men assaulting Pavlov's house than they did taking the whole of France. Um, now we should also go on record that uh, Chuikov is a fucking liar yes. and uh, none of this is verifiable. But we'll get to that. We're, we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Um, you, they're known for propaganda shit. Like, this was in the fucking newspapers. And they would never. books. <laughs> the people's proletariat would never lie, Nick. That's true. They did have a sickle and a hammer, so that's pretty it's, sweet. Yeah. They, they, they definitely would never... Sorry, vibrating one off. Uh, they would definitely never lie to make themselves look better. Like, they certainly did not Photoshop off... A whole bunch of watches that dude had on his wrist when he's raising <laughs> the flag in the Reichstag that he pulled off the dead Germans. Anyway, bringing it back around, uh, the Battle of Stalingrad began on 23 August 1942 on the outskirts of the city that the badly led and badly o- and even worse organized Soviet Red Army tried in vain to keep the Germans at bay. By September 12th, the Red Army had retreated back in the city, leaving over 200,000 casualties behind them, and Stalin was pretty fucking pissed. Um... And at this point, it should be noted that Stalingrad was even important of a city. Um, it was a, a decent foothold in between two air, two rivers, but it was a side piece to trying to take the Baku oil fields. And it was pretty much nothing but a dick measuring competition between Hitler and Stalin. So probably the most bloody dick measuring contest in oh, human yeah. history. Usually um, people measure their dicks in the bathroom, but yeah. these guys for a city. These guys just chewed, well, chewed through two million people instead. <laughs> Um, so the situation is incredibly desperate for the Red Army and the Soviet nation as a whole. The city of Stalingrad owed little um, in the sense of being strategically important, little more than a position between the Volga and Don Rivers and a side act that Germany really wanted, which was the Caucasus oil fields. 
It was important because who the city was named after, though, and that person was a fucking lunatic. Just prior to the German push on Stalingrad, uh, Stalin issued General Order Number 227, famously known as the Not One Step Back Order. Uh, which all but forbade retreat withdrawal under punishment of death. Uh, this actually goes into a lot of why Pavlov didn't pull back from the house. The house is important. Um, but you couldn't withdraw without approval from higher, and those approvals simply didn't exist. Like, right. if you asked to withdraw, they would just be like, no. Well, they're not there, so obviously. Yeah. But there were, like, fucking other cool houses they could have gone to. I think there were, like, 14 or 15. Yeah. But <clears throat> they just were playing fucking House Hunters, Stalingrad edition. Yeah. Pat also, Love, fucking... we should point out Nick is getting over some horrible throat infestation and sounds terrible right now. So that's the horrible... I always sound terrible. <laughs> that's what the noises are. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like shit. Yeah. Barracks rats will do that to you. <laughs> um, so the not one step back order, which all but forbade treatment, all and punishment of death. Um, it also put in place barrier troops made up of NKVD who would stay behind the advance of the army, their weapons pointed at their own men's back. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Enemy at the Gates, which is a highly recommended documentary, obviously, you would know what these dudes can do. Um, though outright machine gunning their treating with soldiers is rare, it certainly happened. Um, in the beginning parts of the Eastern Front and uh, in Leningrad and some parts of Stalingrad, the, the NKVD and the political commissars would actually like whip up civilians um, and like levy them like you were playing fucking Rome Total War and you set, <laughs> sat up some, like, levy spearmen. <laughs> Except that was uh, the, the myth that came up. There wasn't enough rifles to go around. Um, generally speaking, there was. But when those when the political dudes whipped up these levies, they are just like, let's go forth. <laughs> and that was when the barrier troops actually shot people from time to time. And when people didn't have enough rifles and they were attacking... German lines, it's fucking fistful of Stalin's rage, and that's pretty Hammer much it. sickles in the back of their mind, though. That, that's all you need. Uh, <laughs> when, you, when you have marks in your heart, that's what you need to defeat fascism, not rifles. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's only slightly better than a Mosin Nagant, anyway. A moist nugget. <laughs> a fucking garbage rod. <laughs> um, uh, barrier troops end up being little more than your run-the-mill shitbags uh, before very long, because they are barely functional, at best. Uh, the main reason was any smart commander, even Soviet commanders, who at this point have been purged, you know, over and over again, uh, wouldn't farm out a soldier that was useful to sit in the rear and possibly shoot their own people. Uh, one of the so sources we use, which is a really good book, I recommend, uh, Catherine Meridol's Ivan's War, uh, didn't really speak highly of these soldiers. They said a few officers were keen to spare their men for service in the blocking units or the barrier troops. Uh, they knew the value of a man... Border patrol. Yeah. <laughs> CBP on it. Uh, they they knew the value of a man who handled his weapons well, which, I mean, at this point in the war, the Soviets were churning through so many fucking conscripts. Having a soldier that survived more than one engagement with the Germans was a fucking godsend. Um, so the new, the new formations created by Stalin's edict were stuffed full of individuals who could not fight, including invalids, the simple-minded, of course, officers of special friends. They were like, hey, hook me up with the sweet position or you can keep me away from the fucking Nazis and not die. And, you know, we can be buddies, so... There you go. Hardly the terrifying force shown at the aforementioned documentary, Enemy at the Gates. Instead, they were drooling mongoloids barely able to function, <laughs> or rich kids just trying to escape frontline combat duty. Um, anyway, what, what were you going to say? Oh, fucking, uh, Germans always talked about uh, the Russians having, not going to say really good sharpshooters, but 
fairly decent sharpshooters. I think a lot of that has to do with this battle. Um, the, oh, yeah. There were so many snipers, uh, you know, doing their office work in the Stalingrad area. And a lot of those has to do with propaganda, too. But, uh, oh, yeah. Because the this, this snipers, I mean, I, I deployed snipers are fucking terrifying. You know, you, you know where you're... Um, the enemy is going to be for the most part. He's going to square up with you. He's going to shoot at you with a rifle. You can shoot back. Um, and someone starts popping rounds at you from a distance and people just start dropping. You can't see where it's coming from. It's fucking demoralizing. And that's why they became such a great oh, yeah. propaganda that tool. Cat and mouse game they played. Yeah. And uh, especially for normal soldiers, in the, which I solidly consider, my, I consider myself a normal soldier at best. Um, I consider myself an okay. Yeah. I'm, the, world, I'm the world's most okayest <laughs> tanker. Um, you know, I wasn't going to be able to shoot back with any effectiveness when I was dismounted at, at a sniper, and that was with, you know, a modern combat rifle, and these dudes were using, the Mosin the guns they were using were pressed during World War One. Yeah. So, you know, they, not to mention their training was probably just reading the Communist Manifesto and getting screamed at by Stalin, uh, you know, <laughs> God rest his soul, the glorious comrade Stalin. Um, but, you know, so they, they weren't the best soldiers when it came to countering snipers. Um... Another part of that order was to eliminate the mood of retreat from soldiers, which is a phrase that covers can cover quite a bit. Um, one of the ways to do that, it was decided, was to not allow the civilian populace of Stalingrad to leave the city. Um, but, oh, yeah. But what they, did, <laughs> what they did do was withdraw all the food stores from Stalingrad just in case they lost, the Germans wouldn't have anything. Part, <laughs> of, their, part of their burnt, their scorched earth policy. Right. Scorched earth, um, motherfucker. Yeah. So the soldiers defending Stalingrad had, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of civilians who were hunkered down with them, all starving to death. And, right. you know, I, I'm sure that the vast majority of the, the soldiers fighting in Stalingrad weren't from the area. I mean, the Soviet Union's fucking huge. Um, yeah. Like, my family fought uh, in World War II on the German side because we're Armenian, and um, they had absolutely nothing in common with Russian people. They didn't even speak the same language. But, you know, when you stuff them in a basement full of fucking unarmed civilians who are crying, yeah. and you're, you're going to stay on your ground. Not to mention, if you do retreat, you will be lined up against wall shot. Yeah, that's where the civilians were in Pavlov's house, too. Yeah, the basement. The basement, uh, yeah. Um, uh, so that gave the soldiers reason to fight for what was effectively a little bit more than a pile of rubble full of dead bodies within a couple of months. Um, by August 1942, the Germans had pushed the fractured Red Army all the way back into the tiny slivers of land pushed up against the west bank of the Volga River. Um, on the other side of the Volga was the Soviet resupply, the training, and artillery positions. Um, so you can imagine how much the Soviets wanted to hold the of the opposite side of the river through anything they could, because right. you know once they held, once the Germans took a hold of that beach, they were I mean you know, riverbank beach whatever they're fucked. They they wouldn't be able to resupply anything. Not to mention um, who, what's stopping the Germans from coming across it. Right. You know I mean it it would be suicide sure. Cold water. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be rough, sure, but the Soviets have been making that crossing for months with fresh people and, and, and materials. So, um, But daylight crossings of the Volga, like they showed in um, Enemy at the Gates, yeah. would have been suicide. Uh, instead, every night, yeah. convoys of boats would cross under withering artillery and Stuka dive bombings uh, to attempt to pour reinforcements and supplies into the dying city. So, I mean, the night crossings weren't much better, but right. they were better than just waltzing across the, what is effectively a <laughs> fucking free waltzing. fire zone. <laughs> Two-stepping across the yeah. fucking Volga. Well, let me get in these giant goddamn barges and just hopefully nobody so, sits gets us. Fucking uh, the movie Stalingrad. They show a crossing, but they're on fucking like 
basically a wooden plank that Rose sat on during the Titanic sinking. Yeah. And then fucking rowing away at the Volga going towards Stalingrad. And, and by the way, that movie is that movie? insane. Yes, you need to watch it. Yeah, that movie. I, I, I mean, it's a Russian movie <laughs> about about the Soviet Union. And if you've ever watched any movies, like they have one about Afghanistan that is actually pretty solid. Like it shows how awful their military was during Afghanistan. But you know, they during the Great Patriotic War. I'm pretty sure there's some fucking law in place where you can't shit talk the Red Army during that time. But um, the Stalingrad movie is pretty much. A gritty redo of 300, (laughs) except it's a whole bunch of screaming slobs. The Russian Leonidas go into battle, slow-mo and everything, trench knife in one, fucking shovel in the other. You can watch it at length on YouTube, but I mean, there's there's literally one point they bust out storming trenches with karates and e-tools, which, sorry, (laughs) e-tool means shovel. Basically, Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking, at one point a German general gets stabbed in the dick, which is probably my favorite part. Oh, he grabs a fucking boot knife. Uh, yeah. Fucking no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I already spoiled it, but the German gets stabbed Go in the dick. Which I, I feel like is the proper death for any Nazis just to get dick stabbed repeatedly by an angry Russian. But, yeah, a bald one too. Yeah. It's probably a Nazi too. Could have been. Yeah. Skinhead? They're pretty huge over there now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Anyway, ba- ba- back to uh, Stalingrad. In late September, Pavlov led a uh, reconnaissance mission. Of about a platoon, which uh, platoon at that time isn't the normal like 30-ish soldiers we're used to. It's like 40 or 50 people. um, Into the city and to secure the uh, only remaining apartment blocks in the area uh, as everything else had pretty much been turned into dust from constant shelling. The the apartment overlooked the symbolically important 9th January Square, which commemorated the Imperial Russian Guard's violent crushing of a peasant rebellion in 1905. The city center. But if you haven't seen any pictures from Stalingrad, 1942, fucking thriving. Yeah. Looks great. Um, and the, the barrier on the opposite side was the river, but you know the city was effectively split in half. It, it had a clear view for a kilometer in every direction and uh, defended a key section of the river that, like I said before, they were desperate to hold on to. Not only could it uh, stop any German push for that part of the Volga, it was a perfect position to sit on top and call in artillery strikes, uh, which was... Desperately needed for the Russians to, because at this point this is far before, um, you know, the Russian giant flanking maneuver is gonna end up surrounding the uh, Polish oh, yeah. army. So this is solidly well, yeah. a desperate zone. At this time, Germans held about ninety percent of Stalingrad, which is fucking insane. And it would have made far more sense to just withdraw, but right. the Soviets decided that uh, nope. No, they got to measure dicks. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Well, the proletariat's dick is. Is immeasurably large. That's true. I don't know like how people measure dicks, but I used to measure it with toilet rolls. Toilet rolls? Yeah, because that's the only thing laying around. Like I'm not gonna use a shampoo bottle. That's too fucking huge. What? Didn't they measure dicks with the shampoo bottle in a movie? No, that was Rescue Me. Yeah, that was Rescue Me. <laughs> he lined up a shampoo bottle with a dick and marked it with a permanent marker. Good ruler. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't works. have one sitting in a fucking bathroom. I no. have a toilet roll. No. And I, if I know I'm bigger than a toilet roll, cool. Noted. <laughs> That's Back now to, a thing that everybody knows. You're welcome. Pavlov's uh, house now. Yeah. Back to Pavlov's dick. Um, Pavlov ordered the apartment fortified um, with mines, barbed wire, and intersecting fields of fire that covered all the approaches, machine guns on every floors, and um, on every floor. And uh, he was smart enough to know, like I'm sure at this point, most Red Army soldiers who um, survived a couple 
days in Stalingrad knew that the uh, tanks of the main gun could only traverse so high and uh, depress so low. Right. So he personally sat on top with what is known as a PTRS anti-tank rifle. And the PTRS anti-tank rifle is just a giant piece of shit. Um, <laughs> it was by far, uh, from, it was far from the best anti-tank weapon at the time. It was rushed into the field after the Red Army lost pretty much all of its effective anti-tank measures during their panicked retreat and face the German invasion from Operation Barbarossa. It was effectively a giant hunting rifle. Oh, fucking huge elephant gun. Yeah, it was Shoot like a... the fucking tanks! Yeah. Like, it was the Russian way to fix a problem was just to build a bigger one. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I... No, wait. The Piat was shit. The Piat was terrible and it dislocated people's shoulders. I think I'd rather take the fucking PTRS <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. At least nobody noted that the PTRS actively wounded them while firing it. No, and you know what? The Finns put fucking skids on it so it looked cool as shit. The Finns would put skins on it. Skids. That's what I said. You said skins. Skins? Same thing. That'd be kind of cool too. It'd terrify you. Yeah. <laughs> Blood I, of the innocent. <laughs> I covered my anti-tank rifle with the skin of your tank crews. <laughs> Fuck with me. Uh, so this rifle was only effective, best case scenario, out to about 100 meters, uh, firing at the top of a tank. Uh, as you can imagine, this is insanely hard to do at 100 meters, and um, the tank's effective range is much further away than 100 meters, right. um, which is exactly what Pavlov's roof gunners knew. So... Um, they would hold their fire until the tanks got stupidly close and fire about 25 fucking meters. Well, I know a lot of taxis, tactics in World War II had to do with, let's use these tanks as cover. And sure, sure, I, I get that. Um, Which sounds great, but when you have shitty tanks or maybe... Uh, the Mark V wasn't terrible. Overlooking, like, buildings that yeah. are overlooking you... It's not the best idea. In any fucking tank crew, I mean, the, the, this is four dudes putting their heads together, four or five dudes putting their heads together, who, I mean, the German tankers at this point are so fucking experienced. Oh, yeah. Um, they For have sure. good, well-trained officers. They're not scraping the bottom of the barrel like they would be later. Um, their helmets were cool as shit. Their helmets were pretty solid. Um, uh, one of them was a, uh, it was, if any of you know of the garrison cap. Also you know known as a derogatory term, yes. we will not say. It is known as a sea hat. So they had cushion in it, just in case they got a nice bumpy ride. So it looked cool as shit. Like, you look fucking formal, but you could also fuck shit up. Yep. And that's really well their uniform. I mean, they had a fucking actual fashion designer come up oh, with their Oh, yeah, uniforms. you basically had a, a dress uniform while fighting in combat, as the Germans had it. Which the Americans were had in the 30s, but then we switched over to the wool and HBT-type uniforms, which were later... Turned into the 43. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that later. All I know is in Battlefield 5, because their boots are not the same, <laughs> unfucking playable. fucking uniforms unplayable. are terrible, but I will still play because it looks it's cool unplay, it's as fucking, shit. It's broken. It looks it's, cool as shit, but the uniforms look like shit. You know, this is a completely off topic, but this is a uh, a series of games that I once ramped uh, a Mark V British tank in World War One up a horse and shot down a plane. <laughs> So, historic, historical accuracy is not their strong point. No, it's not, but it should be. God damn it. <laughs> that, that's why things like Arma exist. Anyway, bring oh, it back Arma around. Sucks. Arma does suck. Um, a little uh, fun fact about the PTRS is uh, these vintage anti-tank rifles are somehow still in use today in the Donbass against the Ukrainian army in the Ukrainian Civil War. Um, <laughs> which is kind of fucking nuts, because they were considered pieces of shit in the 40s. <laughs> um, this is including, like, <coughs> uh, vintage ammo. 
like from the like probably peeling back old fucking Soviet oh, Red yeah, Army cast. Sure. Yeah. Like fucking uh, sardine cans. Yeah. Like yeah, because I have surplus uh, thirty out six ammo for my grand. I I had a surplus shitty Soviet stamped uh, bl- uh, black wolf armor for my garbage oh. rod before I sold it. <laughs> Um, I don't recommend doing that, but that thing almost exploded in my hands. Anyway, back on topic. Pavlov then had his MiG did a communication trench all the way back to the Volga River. It's not really measured how far this is, um, but it is far enough where this would take a long amount of time. And, I mean, around-the-clock, 24-hour trench digging while undoubtedly under uh, sniper and artillery fire. Not fun. Um, Once the fortifications were in place, uh, Pavlov's between which had... Uh, which had been under strength by about 25 men, was reinforced to around 50 men. Um, one of those men was a 19-year-old sniper known as a T- Anatoly Chekhov. He is really famous far past beyond this house. He ended up becoming one of the most deadly snipers in all of Stalingrad. Um, he would actually create his own uh, silencers for his rifles, which was unheard of at the time. Um, and he would eventually go on to claim nearly 300 lives during Stalingrad alone. And he survived the battle. His fucking KD ratio is the shit. So um, he was stationed on top of the house along with Pavlov and his fucking shit cannon of, of an anti-tank rifle. <laughs> um, at this point, the battle's on. The Germans uh, caught on pretty fast that Pavlov had dug in and uh, it started you know, dropping an artillery fire and sending in the infantry and the tanks. Um there was tax every day around the clock. Um, each time was beaten back, leaving a stream of dead Nazis in their wake. Um, now Pavlov's memoirs, which were spotty, I'll give him credit. We use Google Translate and yeah. other sources, so maybe the translation was fucked up. Maybe Pavlov was a liar. Now I know that's that's a hard thing to say because I highly doubt Pavlov came up with the account in the book. This book was published in the Soviet Union during Soviet times of no free press. Um, and Pavlov was a hero of the Soviet Union, like, officially. He got the award and everything. Um, so I have no doubt he didn't actually write this. Um, so, you know, his memoirs talk about being shelled constantly through the ordeal. This is somewhat questioned as to what exactly he was talking about when he said shelled. Um, because it should be noted that German divisional artillery, if it was brought to bear in Pavlov's apartment building, would have fucking flattened it. Um, this was a regular-ass... It was a Soviet fucking building. Yeah, it was probably built under shady circumstances for the 40s. Right. Um, it would have come down around their head, and they either would have been dead under the rubble, or they'd been forced back to reach across the river, or the building wouldn't have been standing at the end of the battle like it was. Yeah, this was for 58 days, yeah. said. And I, I believe this is a myth. They, <clears throat> during lulls of the battle, because there's never a, uh, a stop in the battle, there's just lulls. So during the lulls, certain few men would go out and uh, clear firing lanes. Yeah, they go over. They go over and have to like kick down stacks of dead Germans. Right. Which is kind of insane. Now, if the amount of cat to me that means there's not just so many casualties, but so many casualties got up to like the windows. Also, right. this is a four-story apartment building. Just go to the second fucking floor. But now you have a fucking cool wall. That that got built. Yeah. Build that wall. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep out the Germans with the wall. Yeah. It, shit, it could have worked. We don't know. 
And if anything, I mean, if the Germans are hiding behind a wall of their own dead, that means you're probably doing something right. But yeah, they they make claims like they had to kick down stacks of dead bodies. And they could have done the three hundred shit, just like how they copied the whole thing. Yeah, they could have just knocked it down on the Germans. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it oh, it probably would have it probably would have worked in the movie Stalingrad. Uh, so that sure. that whole thing can only mean a few things. And, that, and this is the Red Army we're talking about, so lying their ass off about soldiers' feats of bravery is totally within the bounds of reality and most likely true. Um, my personal opinion is that if the Germans that, that the Germans did want to capture the apartment building intact, they knew, just as well as the Reds, that the apartment had a command of the entire area. Um, or I'm wrong, and I'm not a fucking PhD doctorate of the fucking Eastern Front here, so that's completely possible. Or that this is Stalingrad we're talking about. Right. Fighting was brutal, and soldiers on both sides fought factory to factory, house to house, regardless of the importance of the area. The only thing important is there's fucking Nazis or there's fucking commies there, and we had to go take it. I mean, the casualty rates are so high, but everything was so fucking high there. Dozens of people died fighting over kitchens from the living room. Yeah. I mean, it, it's insane. They had uh, sweet granite countertops, so no, I would have fought for that, too. Yeah, and especially with the housing crisis these days... You gotta to get that prime Volga River space. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta kill water. some people. Oh yeah, just full of thousands of dead Red Army soldiers. <laughs> um, maybe the Germans didn't know the importance of the building. I doubt that. Um, I mean, this is still early in the war. Germans who are competent, they took over half the fucking world at this point. Um, maybe they were just as simply assaulting because Pavlov built the goddamn fortress there. Um, yeah, it was labeled on their maps, fortress. Yeah. Whatever the restrictions that were put on German forces attacking Pavlov's position, you know. So let's give him some benefit benefit of the doubt. Let's say he was shelled. Best case scenario, they were mortars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's say he was hit by mortars, but he uses the word artillery. Maybe, maybe Google Translate made it artillery, but I've also seen the yeah, same. You know, foreign words have that thing on English where how you can mean two things in a different language, where there's a formal and there's an informal thing for you, like in right. Spanish or in Russian, there's a you. Right. Informal and in a formal way of saying it. So shit in French, there's a feminine and masculine way to say things. It's really weird. Same with Spanish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's say he was hit by artillery, which is actually mortars. Um, sure. I mean, these are infantry platoons that are assaulting him. They would have a mortar team. They would have right. several mortar teams. Um, and mortars aren't going to bring down a house. No. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he got the shit mortared out of him. Um, whatever restrictions that the Germans put in place. Um, and attacking Pavlov, they would end up killing a lot of Paulus's men. Uh, Field Marshal Paulus, the commander of the Germans, once he couldn't afford to throw away, and at no point of the battle was any attempt made to just level the goddamn thing. Like I said, I mean, these are platoons of tanks. Um, they could have just cannoned that shit into rubble if they didn't. Um, according to Pavlov's own memoirs, which are all in Russian, had to be read like using Google Translate, like we like we said. Um, the Germans are either totally brain dead or fucking red shirts from Star Trek, just <laughs> bumbling into crossfire. I mean, it's stupid. They, they, they are the worst soldiers to ever take over the majority of Europe, somehow. Um, Pavlov tells stories about machine gunning waves of German soldiers who, I don't know, just marching towards a damn fucking house, bumbling yeah, towards enemy fire. It. Like, think how the fucking machine gunners felt in the house or like... These guys took over half the fucking country? Like, yeah. what not, fuck? not only did they fucking sweep through Western Europe, they stormed through all of Russia at this point. Right. And, and Pavlov says he individually, as in by his goddamn self, 
sat up on top of that roof and took out a dozen fucking tanks with the anti-tank rifle. The most insane part is he said he waited until they were 25 meters away or less before shooting. That's at, fucking close. At the tank's top turret armor, which is the only place his rifle's gonna work. If that doesn't seem like it's far away, it's because it isn't. It equals that out to be about 80 fucking feet in freedom units. And these tanks were so goddamn close to Pavlov, they could have been going for a fucking first down. <laughs> and like, Pavlov, and it should be known, the tanks could not have traversed up there and shot him. No. But they all have tank commanders with machine guns. They all are supposed to have supporting infantry they that could have shot him. Yeah. Like, or, crazy fucking thing, don't get within 20 goddamn meters of the fucking building that's killing thousands of Germans, apparently. Just stay away from the house of death. Let's just sit back and launch cannon rounds at the roof. Maybe take up the fucking first floor. I don't know. Uh, this is either full-on Soviet propaganda horseshit, or the Germans sent the Special Olympics tank crews on this particular mission. Like, <laughs> no, no tank crews is fucking stupid. And I was a tanker, and I'm not that fucking smart. <laughs> there's no way that there's 12 of them that stupid. That's the cumulative fucking uh, tank crews there. Let, let's give Paloff the benefit of the doubt and say he did get half of what he got. He got six tanks. Um, you would think the collective brain trust around 24 battle-hardened tankers would say, I don't know, use your fucking cannon and stay away from the giant torrent of death coming from the house. I'd imagine the first two tanks would have gotten the idea. Oh, fuck. Yeah, normally when someone pops up from these uh, anti-tank rifles, not to mention it's going through the turret armor, I'm assuming it's blowing their ammo, setting the whole tank up like a fucking torch. Right. That's going to let everybody know, like, oh, yeah, they have a, they have something. We need to stay back and figure out what it is. Not just, well, that's weird. That normally, tanks normally this, just don't randomly this, explode like this that. This normally works. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Also, how terrible are these German fucking infantry commanders? Just bumbling towards Pavlov's guns like something out of World War One. They spent a better part of two months tripping over their own dicks in the landmines, barbed wire, and machine guns that they knew were there in waves. Like... It's not like they got ambushed by this fucking house. No. They knew it was there, and they planned an attack on it. Yeah, and Pavlov, like, fucking put up, like, wood boards on the windows, like, that would do something, and, like, fuck it. Yeah, it, it turned into a fucking Nazi version of Duck Hunt. <laughs> it's stupid. And just like we said, uh, Pavlov notes that in between fighting, you have to kick down piles of dead Germans. Um, over the course of about 58 days, the, ex the exact amount of time is up for debate, because the beginning time and the ending time changes depending on whose story that you read. Right. Um, the Germans just kept on coming day and night. The attacks only ceased when the Germans had pulled back and hit the house with the Pavlov describes artillery. Um, but like we said, we think it's probably mortars. Pavlov's men would run down to the basement where dozens of civilians were hiding until the barrage would cease and the attacks would just begin again. Now, if you remember earlier how the Germans supposedly lost more soldiers attacking Pavlov than they did assaulting uh, Paris, France. Um, well, we actually have the Uberkommando der Wehrmacht, or the OKW's reports on losses during 1940. Um, it can be roughly calculated that the Wehrmacht lost about 1,000 and 2,000 soldiers yeah, well, taking Paris. Um, I know I talked a lot of shit about Pavlov's memoirs, but uh, I can actually see these numbers being kind of realistic for the time. Um, if the Germans lost more than 2,000 soldiers assaulting one random apartment building in Stalingrad, would that have been any more unbelievable than the rest of the brutal losses in that fucking battle? I mean, they, there were so many people getting just slaughtered. Oh, yeah. Um, Stalingrad was a goddamn meat grinder where soldiers fought hand-to-hand -hand combat for the control On of the streets, everything. Under, yeah. the, under Stalingrad? Like, like there, was a, there was a point in time where they assaulted a tank factory, 
and the red soldiers defending the tank factory and the germans were fighting and in the meantime civilians are still fucking building tanks in the middle of all of it and they're just rolling off the assembly line right <laughs> into battle with people who built the tanks crewing the tanks <laughs> <laughs> like they just it was just a whole different level of giving a fuck i wish i had that much fucks well, I mean, it's motivating to know that if you don't have enough fucks, they'll be supplied for you. And if they're not supplied, you'll just die. It's true. I mean, you're either going to get shot by your government or you can get shot by the Germans because surrender wasn't much of an option. You're a dirty slob and you're subhuman. It's true. I mean, you're going to die regardless. You might as well take one of those blonde-headed fucks with you. <laughs> oh, man. Building tanks must be cool in Stalingrad, though, at the time. And imagine how, like uncomplicated building a T-34 must have been. Where, like, no. you can just, like, <laughs> throw them together, just I'm roll it off the fucking sure line. I'm sure I have a ratchet set that can put one together. <laughs> and there's no way those guns were fucking zeroed or bore-sighted. It's impossible <laughs> if they're just rolling off the factory. Where did they get the fucking ammo from? I'm pretty sure they're just trying to run them over. I, I, but they, I wouldn't be surprised if they were unarmed. <laughs> <laughs> no target? Fuck it. Yeah. Just fucking... I like how you went cholo with the Russian tank driver. Yeah, hey, I, I can't do a Russian. I, from time to time. But I've been drinking a little bit. Some... What do we call it? Well, we're just drinking vodka to Moscow Mule glasses like we're special. It's, they're not Moscow Close Mules. Enough. The only thing that makes them Moscow Mules is the cup. And the vodka. <laughs> and the well, vodka. Not even, eh. The vodka sucks too. Yeah. Um, so, in comparison, Pavlov lost about 25 men. Um... Or a half of his platoon, uh, before the glorious soldiers of the motherland finally crossed the Volga and reinforced the area with an entire division. At which point, the Germans finally tapped out and pulled back from the battle. Uh, Pavlov was lauded with awards in his heroic defense of the apartment. He was awarded with the Hero of the Soviet Union, the Order of Lenin, the Order of the October Revolution, two Orders of the Red Star, and the Champion the Champion of Communism Award. If those names don't sound ridiculous, it's because they were, and I made up that last one, and you didn't even notice. I mean... I fucking love the last one. <laughs> champion of communism. Fucking <laughs> madman of Marx. I'd have a fucking sweet belt with yeah. a hammer and sickle on it. Spinning. But I'm pretty sure they're just part of their uniform. It's fucking the, the spinners of the people. <laughs> <laughs> he would drop sick beats, but those weren't authorized and strictly controlled. That's true. Um, he was promoted to the rank of Starshina, which is equal to that of a sergeant major, and survived the war. Uh, he ended up joining the Communist Party, since apparently he wasn't already a member. Right. I just assumed that was mandatory. Um, and he was elected to the Supreme Soviet three times before finally dying in Novogorod in 1981. And... Wasn't it was like 60-something? 60, 60 yeah, he was in his early 60s. Yeah, he probably thought he looked... Real fly with all this shit on though. Dude, there's pictures of him, and I'm, pro I'm, I'm probably going to post them to the Twitter, so stay, pay attention should. to that. It, like, his his uniform looks like the Banana Republic <laughs> uniform from, like, um, the movie The Dictator, where, where Sasha Baron Cohen has, like, medals going down to his fucking, like, belly button. Yeah. Except all of his are real. Except for the champion. Except the champion of communism award, which I regret to. Maybe there'll be a podcast award. We'll give it. We'll give it out to people. You're the champion of communism. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be a healthy dose of people who think this is a communist podcast. In which case, it is, and you're part of the problem. Hail Satan! Wrong religion. I like Satan. All right. Well, this is America, so hail Satan. I guess. Both of the innocent. The the guys the last podcast and left and get away with saying hail Satan a lot. So. 
um, and they're popular. So that is the story of the house that Pavlov built out of the bones of stupid Germans. Um, Sturdy bones. Yeah, and actually a part of the house still stands today as a monument. I mean, it's not like the whole house like some people claim. It's like a corner of the house. Yeah. But but at the end of the battle, it was still resembling a house. Honestly, this probably would have looked like just a corner, and the Germans like, how the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, at the end of the battle, it just looked like part of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> people would have fucking moved in. <laughs> Hipsters would have bought it. Helped up a Starbucks <laughs> next door. All the free-range Germans outside. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, the, the podcast on Twitter at lions underscore by follow me on Twitter, jcas 99, follow Nick at Twitter at nickcasm one. All right. Um, as you can tell, I've been, if you follow us on Twitter, we've been posting stupid historical facts, um, and, uh, actually taking suggestions. Someone already did suggest us something and it sounded fucking hilarious. So we're probably going to end up doing it. More than um, likely. Yeah, so feel free to suggest anything you want. Um, like and share us, rate us on iTunes, since that's uh, I hear that's a big thing, and it uh, doesn't really seem like anybody's doing it. But I would I would rather you not rate us than give us a bad one. Is, is that wrong? No. <laughs> I think I tried rating us, and I completely forgot, and just continued to watch YouTube and all that other good stuff, so I probably should do that. I feel like rating your own podcast is like jerking off into your own mouth. You didn't really get the second well, base. You just did it to yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. This is America. I guess it's a good source of protein. It is. It's a fantastic <laughs> It's sterile. I like I the taste. I pineapples. It tastes <laughs> great. All right, guys. So that's all. See you next time.